0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast.
1: Buongiorno, jaunty joy seekers jamming for jubilance and jaw-dropping journeys while wearing jaw jodhpurs. This is Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. Today's show is episode 227, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your Foremost Faustian for some Foraging for Formidable Forensic Fodder. I'm Colin. I'm Dana.
2: And I'm Chris. Dana, you seem like, yeah, yeah, we <laughs> are. I was like,
3: yeah, we do, like, yeah, I do forage do for, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Faustian. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm feeling this. This seems yeah. accurate.
1: <laughs> I would sell my sell my soul to the devil for more yeah. for more knowledge yeah. and power. Um, all right, we're gonna start the show with our uh, very special purple tier patrons on Patreon. They get to submit some questions or trivia, and I got a good one. Chuck here has tailor-made a trivia question for each of us.
4: Oh gosh! Oh, oh. I it. The bes- bespoke
1: based yeah. on your interests, and also he also made fake prizes. Chris, you're in the you're in the spotlight now. This is your question. Here we go. Yeah. For one serving of delicious Japanese curry, yeah, which is the which is the prize. Name the two non-conventional items supposedly played as percussion instruments on the title track to Fleetwood Mac's. Tusk!
2: Oh my gosh! Um, well, uh, okay, I know that Lindsey Buckingham was banging on Kleenex boxes. Uh,
1: ding, 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 ding! That's one.
2: Okay, my goodness! And gee, what would the other non-conventional percussion item be? the The wall of his bathroom,
1: maybe. Uh, but but Chuck here says <laughs> a uh, lamb chop.
2: A lamb chop. I did not know a lamb chop.
1: <laughs> a meaty sound, like a wet, like a wet, <laughs> a wet and slappy
2: kind of sound. I guess.
3: <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs>
4: wet, wet and slappy.
2: So much of Lindsey Buckingham's tracks on Tux. It's like, yeah, well, Mick Fleetwood is the drummer, right? But it's like a lot of Lindsey's tracks. He recorded. He tracked it all the tracks, like alone, uh, in his house, using sort of whatever mm. stuff like that.
0: Oh,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Foley artists.
2: You, too, can uh, make a, 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 a <laughs> yeah. wildly uh, crazy follow-up to your successful album with just these yeah. household items.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, Colin, you're next. Uh, Chuck has a question for you, and he says, though it has a population of fewer than 5,000 people, the town of Donora, D-O-N-O-R-A, Denora, Pennsylvania, is the hometown of two... Of the greatest baseball players of all time, name them both and earn yourself a one-pound candy corn. Name only <laughs> one, and you earn a two-pound candy corn. My <laughs> gosh!
4: All right, Denora.
1: The thing is, I know your knowledge of baseball is not nearly as as good as your basketball.
4: Certainly not. Certainly not. And other maybe some more obscure sports too. But okay, I mean this. I'm just gonna have to go for household names here. All right, okay. Denora. Pennsylvania. I don't know. I'll say, I'll say Joe DiMaggio and Cal Ripken Sr. Cal, sorry, Cal Ripken Jr.
1: Both wrong. Stan Musial? Musial? Stan Musial. Musial. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. Ken Griffey Jr.
3: Oh, okay.
4: Well, well, I-, I
1: there was
3: I, a junior. That... You got a point for half a point for junior. So, you got three pounds of candy corn.
4: <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. I'm sure that if you go to Denora, Pennsylvania,
1: they are extremely proud of that. All right, Dana, you're next. Okay. Chuck asks you for a fermented Scandinavian candy. That's your yeah. prize.
3: Yeah. In
1: what year did the very first Lifetime movie come out? Oh.
0: Multiple choice.
1: Okay, good, good. 1990. Mm-hmm. 1993 or mm-hmm.
3: 1996? Oh, Chuck, this is a good question. I don't want the candy, so I feel like I win either way. So that's good. <laughs> 96 feels late.
1: I, let's see. 93. It is 1990. Okay. Okay. Right in the start mm. of the decade. And the movie is Memories of Murder memories of that's the perfect start to
0: their
4: (laughs) really i mean they just right out of the gate they just had it yeah
3: Yeah. (laughs) those are great questions chuck i want to say yeah so far
1: very good very good yeah yeah um so chuck has a question for me for a delightful dutch crunch (laughs) my favorite bread which two (laughs) disney films (laughs) are set in hawaii okay I already saw the answer, and I have a gripe with one of the answers. Animated um. Disney, because there animated. are.
2: Is it, it animated Disney films? Animated, okay, so Disney. Lilo and Stitch, yeah. correct. We're sitting in Hawaii. Um, uh, it's not
3: Moana. That's just the Pacific Islands. Right, somewhere. right. Uh, so, yeah.
1: in his answer, he said Moana. Moana happens in Polynesia, which includes Hawaii, but they never stated that it was it's Hawaii. Hawaii. It's right. probably not Hawaii. They made a, a conscious decision of focusing on Polynesia in general. Mm. So, But these are excellent, <laughs> tailor-made questions for us. Thank you so much, Chuck, for these questions and also for your very personalized Fantastic. fake prizes. Well, let's continue yeah. the trivia party. Let's jump into our first, well, now second uh, trivia yeah. segment. Pop quiz, hotshot. So I have here a random Trivial Pursuit card. You guys have your barnyard buzzers at the ready. Let's answer some questions. Here we go. Blue Wedge for geography. Which South American country lays claim to the invention of the Panama hat? Oh, uh colin we've had this one so many times
4: we've had this one so many times it's not panama i want to say it's ecuador
0: correct
4: you remembered
1: ecuador (laughs) pink wedge for pop culture huh what irish actor wears a certain pair of boxers when starting a new film because they're covered in lucky shamrocks huh huh irish actor
4: Colin. Uh Colin Farrell?:
3: Yes. Woo. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. How did you know that?:
4: I was just the first Irish actor that came to my mind. That was yeah, honestly, yeah. yeah.:
1: Yellow Edge for History. Who was fatally wounded in 1968 in Memphis on the balcony of the Lorraine Motel, which is now preserved as a civil rights uh, museum. Yeah. Uh Chris
2: dr martin luther king jr
1: correct Mm -hmm. all right purple wedge what was once the catchy slogan of the national Enquirer? oh 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 oh. this is like the tabloid celebrity gossip and yeah
2: no story is too tenuous to to not yes right Right,
4: colin what's your guess i i believe i remember from the commercials it's a uh, inquiring minds want to know yes Whoa, yes
3: yeah. yes, nice. yes yes that is the
4: mm-hmm. en inquiry uh, uh, yes and inquiring yeah. minds enquiry. want to know made it
2: yeah, sound TM. made it sound yeah. so intellectual <laughs>
3: You <laughs> know, it yeah, does, but it's like the all, every story is like this person's pregnant, and it's like they had a burrito
1: at lunch, but
0: they're definitely <laughs> pregnant.
1: <in this. laughs> all right, Green Wedge, which prestigious school of oceanography is located near San Diego? <laughs> Colin, is that uh Scripps?
3: Yes, okay. how do you know this? wow oh, you know wow. i mean i
4: grew up in southern california you That's know good my mind yeah, went to like yeah.
3: SeaWorld as like shamu you
4: yeah, or something like yeah. that i've got some <laughs> whales in the family too so you know it's
1: yeah 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 <laughs> scripps institution of oceanography in san diego yeah, whales yeah. vagina yeah. what <laughs> just watch Man? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Important context there. Yeah. Yeah, right,
3: right.
1: <laughs> People called it San Diego, which means whale's vagina. Oh, okay. I thought it meant St. Diego. <laughs> uh, okay. Last question Orange Wedge, Sports and Leisure. Which celebration dance by Victor Cruz got him an invitation to appear on Dancing with the Stars, which he respectfully declined? Which
2: Uh, celebration (laughs) dance?
1: It was, yeah, which one was it? This is like
2: a sports end zone dance?
4: It, there was yeah i mean do you remember this was a few years ago there was just a wave like before the oh, nfl yeah. kind of you know clamped down on oh. the fun of there was just oh, okay. there was a Show lot money. of guys doing the very high profile right, right. signature moves and and you know yeah. cashing in and marketing it I'm, i mean good for okay, them so but, yeah. i'm guessing
2: oh. we can eliminate this is not the guy who pretended to poop the football
4: <laughs> <laughs> no no i don't think so That's right it but get you get young dancing stars right the yeah mhm mhm same the same uh you know oof if you will though mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm.
1: it is it is salsa what? Uh, okay. Oh, 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 okay. Oh, okay. Oh,
4: he just did a little salsa dance. Salsa okay. dance. Oh, okay. That's right. I do. I do remember that now.
1: All right. Good job, brains. Okay. This week, our topic is inspired by the title of an upcoming Pixar movie about a girl who turns into a red panda, which is one of my top five animals, it looks top really five cute. favorite animals of all time. Um, and the movie is called Turning Red. And I know. We actually love our past episodes about colors. So this week, we're rolling out the red carpet, and we're going to celebrate all things red.
3: All right, I'll get us started. I made a quiz, and it is called Red Stuff. It's just stuff I, I thought of or found that was red related and I thought
0: had some interesting
3: <laughs> trivia. So uh, we'll do it barnyard buzzer style. All right. And we'll get started right now. First question, which planet in our solar system is nicknamed the red planet? Everybody. Mars. Mars,
1: Mars. That's Mars. right. I was so scared that I was going to
3: something
1: else. <laughs> and like, like, Wrong, Jupiter.
4: Wrong, yeah, Mars. Jupiter.
1: <laughs> yes,
3: Mars, Mars, Mars. Do you know what gives it the red tinge?
4: Oh.
1: Ooh. I think it's, it's rust. It's like iron oxide, yeah. right? Isn't, iron yeah, oxide.
3: Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. All right, next question. The ruby, a red gemstone, is the birthstone for which typically hot weather month?
2: Oh, jeez. There's one out of three. Oh, um, oh I think gonna... it's... um. I think... Okay, I, I believe... I think that's my brother's birthstone, so it would be July.
3: July, right. oh. yes. Is that it? Okay, yes. great. There's another red birthstone. I know. It's garnet. <laughs> the garnet what month is that january january nice
4: it's also one of those just freebie trivia things to memorize right you know what i mean like it's just yeah you just you're like ah this is
3: such a kick in the stomach you're like there's only 12 of them why don't i know
4: yeah Yeah. exactly
0: exactly
2: because who cares that's why because who cares
0: (laughs) i know
1: (laughs) who cares brain
2: (laughs) (laughs) who cares brain
0: (laughs) okay
3: (laughs) The Red Sea is an inlet of which ocean? Oh, the Red Sea, Karen.
1: Indian Ocean. Yes, Karen. Yes, yes it is.
3: Okay. Which red-colored bird is the most common state bird in the United States?
1: Karen. The cardinal yes the
3: cardinal (laughs) the cardinal seven
1: states have that as their Ah. state bird wait chris what were you gonna guess
2: i was gonna say robin but i mean yours makes more sense
1: i just think of like a lot of sports teams there's a lot of like
4: midwest midwestern states a lot
1: of midwestern illinois
3: indiana kentucky ohio virginia west virginia north carolina
4: whoa They all, all like the that's South, the bird. Yeah, South Midwest. Okay, all right. Yeah. Interesting. That's a good
1: one. What is okay. the What is the state bird of California? Do we know? It's the quail. Oh, the condor. It's the quail, oh, the, right? The quail?
3: Isn't I it? I think the it California is. California quail. It could be the condor. Ooh. Oh, my God.
4: I don't think no. that's our state bird. I don't think that's our it's state bird. It's just like the, the Cal-
3: endangered bird, the California. Yeah, bird. right,
4: right. It just happened to, they named it after it. It is. Okay.
1: It's the California quail. It's yeah. so cute. It has a little thing on its head. A little All hat. Right. Yeah. I like it.
3: Okay. Which commonly red-colored insect emits foul-smelling yellow blood from its leg joints when it's startled?
4: Cool. Whoa.
3: There's a little. Oh. Lower...
4: Yeah. Uh, uh... Colin. Uh, uh, A stink bug? I mean, is it just as simple as that? I don't know.
3: It's a red colored Mm. insect. Hmm. Oh. Karen. Ladybug. Ladybug. Ladybug's blood is yellow and it's stinky and it's toxic to many of its predators, (laughs) like birds and small mammals. They are stinky. Ladybugs are stinky. I Googled it and people were like, how do you get rid of ladybug stink? And I was like, huh, I have (laughs) never. I have no (laughs) idea what (laughs) smell that is. All right. There are US presidents on the penny, the nickel, the dime, the quarter, and the half dollar coins. So on those five coins, yeah, there okay. are. Okay. Can you tell me which coins have presidents who are redheads?
4: No. Oh my gosh. Wait, and th- there are okay.
3: three, three of those presidents, three no of the way. coins have redheads on it.
2: Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> all right. Okay, all right. All right. I'm thinking, yes, this. Go. I'm a stab at this. Ready? Okay, okay. Okay. Here we go. The half dollar, the quarter, and the nickel
3: yes yes oh, oh. who are they Chris. so i was
2: thinking jefferson washington i felt like they were redheads and, and then kennedy
3: Yeah,
4: yes oh. there we go i I guess i don't washington you know it's just like you picture them as just white haired but i mean yeah.
2: if you look at <laughs> if you look at naked pictures of them it becomes much <laughs> more clear you know so hey oh
3: <laughs> yeah it's true <laughs> So and just to like clear it out the penny has Lincoln and his hair was black and the dime right. has Franklin Ro- Roosevelt and he has brown hair sticking with redheads Christina Hendricks Jillian Anderson Nicole Kidman and Sophie Turner all seen with red hair only one is an actual oh. natural redhead
0: <sighs> which okay. is Chris, Nicole Kidman
3: Nicole Kidman <gasps> is the only
0: natural ah. redhead
3: some other famous redheads who are not actually born redheads are Lucille Ball, we've talked about, mm-hmm. Anne Margaret, David Bowie, Tori Amos. I was looking at a list of iconic redheads, and <laughs> they were a lot so of high on the list, but yeah.
1: they're not actually redheads. Tori yeah. Amos is not a redhead? No. But that's like so, that's her brand.
3: I. It is her brand. Exactly, she, yeah. She, she was pretty high on the list of yeah. iconic redheads. Um <laughs> All right. And then we'll close it out with some idioms. Chris has been doing some idiom quizzes. And then I was like, there's so many idioms with red. red. I have to, do a, f- I have to mm. do a few. I won't totally bite his quiz, but I'll like staple it on to the end yeah. of my, <laughs> <laughs> my red stuff quiz.
4: It's a writer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: Here we go. All right. Um, this idiom means to go out into a city or town and have an enjoyable time visiting various establishments. I don't know. I heard a horse. Colin? You paint the town red. That's right. How about a very exciting or notable day? Oh, 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 oh. Chris.
2: I would give it to Karen. She she's if she Karen. the English language <laughs> idiom.
1: Okay, yes, yeah, so Karen, Karen. <laughs> I like it. Struggle bus. Uh, <laughs> a red letter day? That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. That's because yeah. my, my partner says it all the time. Yeah. Oh really? In the beginning, I confuse it with Scarlet Letter, and I was like, "That doesn't sound like yeah. it's a
2: good like it's a day I- of shame." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. That.
4: <laughs> that's also, frankly, why I like letting Karen guess because, like, if you know, I want you to get it right, Karen, but if you get it wrong, it's always funny, you know. So it's like, oh, Scarlet Letter Day. It's like, oh, that's great. It's yeah, it's, it's like,
1: all water yeah. under the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all yeah. <laughs>
3: A sign or signal indicating potential incipient or imminent danger or trouble. Chris. Red flag. Red flag. Oh. One of the favorite terms of the internet. It's yeah. Red flags. Yeah. Favorite, favorite <laughs> emoji. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How about uh, something irrelevant that diverts attention away from the main problem or issue? <laughs> oh. Colin.
4: Uh, would you, would that, are you looking for red herring there? Yes, yes. Mm, red mm-hmm, herring. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
3: Last one. Uh, to fall into a state of extreme anger, excitement, or competitive arousal. Chris.
2: Arousal. To see red.
3: To see red, mm. yes. Oh. Mm. Good job,
1: guys. That
4: was a good one.
2: That was good. That was good. It, see, I'm glad it. we did the idioms.
1: Yeah, me too. My turn. So for this episode about red, I was thinking about red foods. Uh, specifically the flavor red. You know what I'm talking uh, about, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. yeah. You see yeah. them in like gummy bears, yeah. starbursts, <laughs> yeah. sodas. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. it's the flavor Donut, red. donut
4: fillings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: So yeah. in most cases, the red flavor is supposed to be cherry. Mm-hmm. Um, but why does it actually taste like cherries? And who decided that this is what cherries – taste like because they taste (laughs) nothing like the actual, you know, cherries on the stems that we eat. This goes back to the big initial boom of creating synthetic flavors, which was around like mid 1800s. Chemists and scientists were like obsessed with figuring out how to mix and match chemicals they already had so that they could uh, uh, come up with like imitation food flavors, specifically fruit. Right. These days scientists can just isolate the compounds yeah, and they can almost yeah. like backwards engineer, but you know, back then they didn't really have the the equipment or sophisticated ways to like properly a lot of trial and error. Yes, I'm exactly. Yeah. So, they can only go by their experience and their own interpretation of what fruits tasted like at that time. At that time, uh-huh. while working with a limited library of available like flavor compounds and chemicals. So, we're okay. talking like 19th century here so so foods and tastes change and evolve chris you talked about necco wafers there was like mm. violet flavored things <laughs> clove they're almost like a snapshot of tastes from that time period for oh, example the artificial grape flavor was modeled after the concord grape and not like the green grapes we eat these days mm-hmm yeah. And then, uh, of course, there's the artificial banana flavor. We love Laffy Taffy's,
4: right? Mm -hmm. It's its own thing. It's its own flavor. (laughs)
1: However, did you know that, you know, we might think, man, that fake banana flavor is like just so far from an actual banana that we eat. Mm -hmm. That fake banana flavor was actually based on a banana variety that tasted like that. Whoa. We've just never had that kind of banana before because it died out or it almost died out <laughs> in the 1950s. So there was a banana variety that tasted kind of similar to the fake banana flavor.
3: Interesting.
4: We've just diverged, right? We yeah. went down a different path.
1: So what about the artificial cherry flavor, our, our famous red flavor? People back then associated cherry flavor with cherry liqueurs more so than Mm. fresh cherries Uh. so cherry liqueurs they're made out of like whole cherries mashed up pit and all sometimes stems steeped in alcohol and sugar so the resulting flavor has like a like an almond flavor like an almond scent because of the cherry pits the cherry pits have like compounds that get released when they're made into liqueurs That's that's the flavor that the flavor chemists they're like this is cherry to us right because we're used to the liqueurs so this was what American flavor chemists at the time associated cherries with if you go to different parts of the world their generic red cherry flavor tastes different because the the liqueur is kind of like what the American chemists were were really into so cherry liqueurs, let's talk about a little bit of cherry liqueurs. What are some examples of cherry alcohol? There's creme de cerise from France. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then kirsch, right, from Black oh, okay. Forest okay. Cakes. Kirsch okay. from Yeah, Germany. yeah, yeah. And famously, we have the maraschino liqueur from Croatia. Mm. So which brings us to the ultimate red flavor food. The cocktail cherry or the yeah. maraschino cherry.
2: Ooh. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, getting any more red? Yeah, it's, it's it's glowing.
1: Yeah, it's glowing. Yes, <laughs> you see it on an ice cream sundae. Old cookbooks, they have like hams that they put. Oh, yeah. in the cocktail right.
4: cherry. Sure. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. All around uh,
1: yeah. Pineapples. And when you and, and your when
4: your you your move it off the slice of ham, there's the little red ring where it was. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Shirley Temple fruit um, cocktail. Um, but once upon a time. The maraschino cherries were actually stored in maraschino alcohol. Oh, yeah! But in today's time of mass production, they're a they're first completely bleached in chemicals, so they're actually like white. Ah, yeah, that makes sense. And then they get stored in a liquid uh, that's made up of water, sugar, almond extract, and red number forty. Mm-hmm. And that'll be important <laughs> later. Oh, jeez. So the contents of the liquid is important because I want to tell you a quick story, and it is so wild. So, in a previous episode of Good Job Brain, long ago, we talked about like a I think Colin, you brought up a news item where beekeepers were noticing that their bees <clears throat> were making mysteriously making blue honey. That was me. Oh, it was your news item.
2: Oh yeah, they were they 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 were near an M and M's factory, and they were sucking up all the the sugar off the off the discarded M and M's. And they were pooping out blue honey.
1: Yes, (laughs) yes. They were eating like the colored candy shells and then the dye affected their honey and it turned Mm -hmm. blue, which made the actual commercial honey like unsellable. Yeah. Well, guess what, you guys? Back in 2010 in Brooklyn, New York, beekeepers were seeing red honey showing up (laughs) in their hives. They could literally see the bees in their bellies like bright red people figured out that the bees were visiting the nearby Dell's Maraschino Cherry Factory. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Because they were able to test the bees and turns out they tested positive for, for red dye number 40. (laughs)
2: Uh... they tested positive for maraschino
1: (laughs) the bees were snacking on the syrup you know when the vats of syrups are being moved around or kind of left outside and and (laughs) arthur mandela the owner of dell's maraschino cherry uh worked with the beekeeper association and agreed to like you know have better process and and seal the vats so this can (laughs) stop happening now, this is where, like, it goes from a cute B story to, like, a Netflix original limited series. So <laughs> a year before this B incident happened, the DA office and investigators got a tip that Arthur Mandela, the owner of the Maraschino Cherry Factory, was illegally running a secret marijuana grow operation underneath mm-hmm. the Cherry Factory. <laughs> but the investigators, they, you know, they didn't have enough Evidence to 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 procure like a search warrant. Mm. Okay, they sent in bees with wires. Exactly, they got some <laughs> bees tipped them off.
2: <laughs> they noticed the bees were developing a real craving for flaming hot Cheetos. But <laughs> yeah,
1: they went back to the M M&M and M factory. Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> so thanks to the bees and their surprise red honey, the investigators now they have a legitimate reason to search the building under uh-huh. suspicions of illegal syrup dumping. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> and sure enough, they uncovered a secret 2,500 square feet grow operation underneath the building.
4: Oh my goodness. All yeah. thanks
1: to the bee and the, the maraschino syrup and, why and the should red run honey. why a yeah. clean
4: syrup factory. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. <it's-> yeah. <laughs> Uh, like, like all jokes aside like it's how many how many like criminal operation stories right i mean it's like it's not the actual criminal operation that trips them up it's some other some other thing or, yeah, yeah tangential yeah, yeah. or yeah
2: this uh famously our, our our friend uh maddie friend of the show maddie when she was in kindergarten went to kindergarten and learned about bees and raised her hand and said that she heard on quote the podcast that <laughs> <laughs> that the bees were eating m&ms and making blue honey,
1: blue honey. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Now they eat maraschino syrup and they're making red honey Yeah It sounds tasty I guess it's I just would red dye it. though it, it, sounds, it sounds like
2: fun but it also is just sort of like You can't like have an operation and like force bees to eat garbage It's like that
1: sounds
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> The bees are already like endangered enough You know what I mean? Like it's like it would be weird to start making them eat trash So you can get weird colored honey out of it When you just put food dye in your honey get fun
3: fun essences of things you're like dorito honey chili honey yeah dorito honey
1: all right let's take a quick break and we'll be right back
2: hear that believe it or not summer is just around the corner luckily armor all america's most trusted auto appearance brand has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armor All products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your
4: $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. Armor All. Less work, more clean. Terms apply.
0: Hi, my name's Avline. and did you know the pandas poop a hundred times a day? You're listening. Good job, Brain. Bye!
1: And we're back, and this week we're seeing red. Alright, well, apologies,
2: because, okay, so Karen... Karen sends around the email about, okay, everybody, the topic for this episode is going to be red. And what instantly popped into my mind is one of the funniest things I ever saw on television, which was the uh, 56th annual Grammy awards. (laughs) Uh, And on uh, January 26, 2014, at the end of the show, they do the award for the album of the year, right? The big last one. Now the favorite. Uh, in that year, was Taylor Swift's album, Red. And so the presenter is on stage and they open up the envelope and they have the individual cameras on all the nominees in the (laughs) audience for like (laughs) their individual reactions at the same time. The presenter goes, and the winner is Red. And so much happens in that moment. Taylor, You see Taylor Swift and all, if you go back and watch the video, Taylor Swift and all the people around her, like her entourage, start fist pumping and they're like, and they're ready to like stand up and go on stage. But then, and then the presenter goes, and I'm Access Memories by Daft Punk. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs>
2: but, you know, it was considered to be a, a big upset. Um, and, and And Taylor Swift was, Pretty upset, like you you see, like they're just like, oh, you know, the whole face (laughs) is full, you know, space of a Um, second, and it's just a second, (laughs) right? And the Max's memories, it's like, oh, (laughs) she was convinced she was gonna win, you know what I mean? And so, it was like, that's why that's just sort of initial kind of reaction. But it got me thinking, wouldn't it be fun to talk about other uh moments like that at the Grammys, other Grammy upsets, the upset Grammys? So, Um. if if I so again, I'm sorry, like that's the free association that my brain made. And then I started looking at it, and I'm like, this is a really good quiz. Okay. It doesn't have anything to do with the topic, except for that one little thing I just said. But I think you're going to enjoy this 10 question, write down well, quiz mm, okay. mm, about Grammy mm. upsets. So, here, red moments, if you will. Yeah, yes, red, red, red moments. Some Some moments when <laughs> uh, maybe some folks at the Grammys were seeing red. <laughs> yeah. so a little spiel first. this is so this is very interesting because i start looking at this the beatles the beatles interestingly did not win a lot of grammy awards as a group mm. you would think that oh they are the beatles they just crushed the grammys everywhere. Yeah. nope they got best performance by a vocal group in 1965 they got best new artist 1965 wow uh, and in 1968 sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band won best contemporary album and album of the year and that was it for the full band, the Beatles. Um, okay. Four Grammys. There are three more Grammy Awards that are credited to the Beatles as a group, and they are from 1997 for the Beatles Anthology. Uh, but, only, but during that original run with the complete band, they only had four. Uh, and in many cases, they got nominated but lost in what were considered you know, big upsets at the time. A lot of these upsets, by the way, are going to be old people music winning over the young people music.
0: Right. At the time, okay. which At probably time. tells you
2: about who was voting, right? Right, yeah. right. Um so in nineteen sixty-seven, the Beatles album, Revolver, Lost Album of the Year, to a retrospective collection from this singer who had won album of the year the previous year for an album titled September of My Years. Name the singer.
3: So he won album question. of the year
2: in 66 for an album called September of my years. And then won album of the year again with what was essentially a greatest hits collection beating Beatles revolver. Well, September of my years is supposed to be the clue here that, that points you to a certain person. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Man. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Answers up. Mm, mm. Uh, Collins has Frank Sinatra. Dana says oh. Frank Sinatra and Karen says Hank Williams. It is Frank. Sinatra yes yes uh. yes please keep your own score I can't be bothered okay. Um, <laughs> okay question number two in an upset over Beyonce this singer's album morning phase one album of the year in 2015 in an upset over Beyonce this singer's album
1: Morning Phase <laughs> Beyonce. Beyonce. Beyonce Beyonce I know
2: I enjoy saying it that way yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's fine yeah
1: 2015 This singer's
2: oh. album Morning Phase one album of the year in 2015
1: Do you know which Beyonce album it was
2: It was Beyonce Oh oh Beyonce's album Okay. okay okay so not <laughs> Okay, right. let's see some. Let's see some answers. Let's see the best you've got. Sharon oh, says, oh, "Sam Smith." Oh,
3: that's a great guess. Mine is a bad guess Taylor, Taylor
2: Swift. And Colin has has jotted down Ed oh. Sheeran. Oh, that's also a
3: really good. guess.
2: It is none of those. It is Beck. Beck. Oh. What? Oh, that's yeah. right. Beck's Morning Phase. Yes. Oh. yes. I, yes.
4: yes.
3: I did Man, not know he right. had another album
2: recently. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. Question three. Jazz bassist Esperanza Spaulding won yeah. the Grammy for Best New Artist in 2011. And it, yeah. and she won that award over Drake, Florence Ooh. and the Machine, Mumford wow. and Sons, <laughs> and this Canadian singer. Okay. So I'll say it again. Jazz bassist Esperanza Spaulding won Best New Artist in 2011, winning that Grammy over Drake Florence and the Machine, Mumford and Sons, oh. and this Canadian singer. Okay, answers up. Okay, so Dana oh. says Justin Bieber. Colin oh. says Justin Bieber. Karen says Michael Bublé. It is Justin Bieber.
1: How am I feeling this quiz? Lots just, of
2: twelve-year-olds oh. were big, big mad, really real
1: so mad, real mad, big mad.
4: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Now, in 2008, the debate was all about whether Album of the Year would go to Amy Winehouse with Back to Black or Kanye West with Graduation. Mm. Instead, it went to an album of Joni Mitchell covers by this jazz legend. Oh, Oh, wait. So... I'll read it again. In 2008, the debate was all about whether album of the year would go to Amy Winehouse with back to black or Kanye West for graduation. Instead, it went to an album of Joni oh. Mitchell covers by this jazz legend.
4: Will you give us a, 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 any, is this a singer instrument? You, no, no, you're not going to say. Or? Oh, okay. I'll,
2: I mean, okay. I'll, I mean, I'll say it's a, uh a, uh, Primarily considered to be an instrumentalist.
4: Oh, okay. All right. Okay.
2: All right. Give me something. Oh, no. Think of write down a, a jazz person, no. a jazz I mean. instrumentalist. Karen says Diana Kroll. Uh Dana says Herbie Hancock, and Colin should show me whatever uh, it is.
4: Uh, like write uh, down I, something. Uh, oh. I'll second Herbie Hancock. Gonna, okay, I got Colin nothing. is going
2: to um <laughs> ride on Dana's. Previously announced answer of yeah. Herbie Hancock.
4: <laughs> if it's which, if it's correct, I'll take three quarters of a point.
3: I think I think this is one quarter of a point Colin, not-
2: Dana, yeah. Dana is correct. It is Herbie <gasps> Hancock.
3: I think so. No point, but an asterisk. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <it comes> to- <laughs> I think it's. I think that's. I think that is. If if it came down to a tie between Colin and Karen, then yeah. Colin okay. would get the, Then Colin no, would get the I, nod I do in that case. So far, right, right, right. Okay. Moving right along. Question number five. In 1989, the Grammy Awards debuted the category Best Hard Rock Slash Metal Performance. Metallica was widely expected to win for their album And Justice for All, but they lost to this British band named after an 18th century English agriculturist. Hmm. I got
4: it. 100%.
2: In 1989, the Grammy Awards debuted the category Best Hard Rock Slash Metal Performance. Metallica was widely expected to win for its album and justice for all, but lost to this British band named after an 18th century English agriculturalist. Okay. Okay. Answers up. (laughs) So, So Karen says Jethro Tull... Colin says Jethro Tull and Dana
4: eventually
2: getting, yeah, exactly, getting her own back here. Um,
3: belatedly, has as put Jethro Tull. I'll take master's. Yeah. yeah, that's a fair swap. It's like trading pieces
4: on the chessboard, right? The, oh yeah, oh gosh.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Well, you're all wrong. That's what you get for copying. No, 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 I was right. It's just, yeah. Jeth- Jethro Tull. Jethro Tull. Yes. Um, I don't know how to... You score yourselves. This is violating, if not the letter, the spirit of good job, Brent. You all need to take a look inside yourselves. And you need to... I want you to write down what you think.
3: I mean... Um,
2: all right. Well, I guess there's nothing else to do but move on. Okay. In... um. Number question number 6 in 2011 Katy Perry's Teenage Dream Eminem's Recovery Lady Antebellum's Need You Now and perhaps most notably Lady Gaga's The Fame Monster lost album of the year to this Canadian indie rock band Oh In 2011, Katy Perry's Teenage Dream, Eminem's Recovery, Lady Antebellum's Needs You Now, Mm. and perhaps most notably, Lady Gaga's The Fame Monster Lost Album of the Year to this Canadian indie rock band.
1: Ooh,
2: This is is one of those, like, name a Canadian indie rock band questions.
1: Okay, Dana and Colin have to show their (laughs) answers. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm I'm ready, too.
2: Everybody has an answer. Everybody can show it at the same time. Karen says Arcade Fire. Dana says The New Pornographers. Colin says Arcade Fire. It is Arcade Fire. fire. No, question seven. Uh, This indie folk band won Best New Artist in 2012 over Nicki Minaj and the band Perry. A lot of people think this band is a person, so let me clear it up. Justin Vernon is the name of the guy. The band's name is this. Question number seven, this indie folk band won Best New Artist in 2012 over Nicki Minaj and the band Perry. A lot of people think this band is a person, so let me clear it up. Justin Vernon is the guy, and the band's name is this. Okay, Dana wrote down something. Karen yeah. wrote down something. Colin <laughs> I'm is, having, Colin is shaking know. his head. Colin has, uh, Colin, what did you write?
4: No, I put Michael Buble. Michael uh, Buble. Uh, yeah. Michael Buble. Yeah, Bublé. But no.
2: Um, and uh, Karen and Dana have put Bonny Iver. Bonnie Iver, Yes. Bonnie Iver, yes. Yes. Bon Iver is the name of a band. It is not a guy named Bon Iver.
1: I, I remember people thought he was called Bonnie Bear or the band was called <laughs> Bonnie Bear. <laughs> I'm like, Who's Bonnie Bear?
2: <laughs> Question eight. In 2005, Album of the Year nominees included. Usher's Confessions, Kanye West's The College Dropout, Green Day's American Idiot, and Alicia Keys, The Diary of Alicia Keys. None of them won. Instead, it went to a collaborations (laughs) slash duets album by a recently deceased legendary artist. Name the artist, and for a bonus point, name the album. In 2005, Album of the Year nominees included Usher's Confessions, Kanye West's The College Dropout, Green Day's American Idiot, and Alicia Keys' The Diary of Alicia Keys. None of them won. Instead, it went to a collaborations-slash-duets album by a recently deceased legendary artist. Name the artist, for a bonus point, name the album. And when I say recently deceased, I mean at, they had they had died recently at that time, not like now.
3: Oh, okay. uh, so don't don't. Uh,
2: sorry, so don't tell me somebody about somebody who died just just now. Ago. Somebody who passed away close to two thousand and five. Um, uh,
0: oh. so uh, Karen,
2: Karen, and uh, Dana have both actually written down the same thing, which is Tony Bennett duets uh the He's very much alive Tony Bennett finish, yeah, yes. right,
0: yeah. <laughs> I, just, I
1: really I'll thought he, he died I know basically. he has like Alzheimer's but, He
2: yeah he he is he is in fact released a second album of, of duets with Lady Gaga yes yeah, um yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. and uh Colin put uh Johnny Cash what was the name of the album you put down Colin
4: uh was it uh American Songs Johnny uh, Cash American wrote,
2: Songs I, I... uh big big fat no to everybody uh it yeah, is Ray right. Charles. Genius oh. Loves Company.
4: Wow. Yep.
2: yep. Yeah. Coffee yeah.
4: houses everywhere. And it, w- that oh, it w- oh,
2: yeah. You know, they sold it in Starbucks. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, two more questions. Question nine. 1992 was widely assumed that the best rock song Grammy would go to Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit. It instead went to this slowed down acoustic version of of a 1970s rock hit. Name the the name of the the song.
3: Oh, interesting.
2: 1992 oh, it was widely 92. assumed the best rock song Grammy 92. would go to Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit. It did not. It instead went to a slowed down. Was it rock? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's rock, it's slow rock, it's maybe rock ballad, <laughs> slowed down acoustic version of a 1970s rock song.
4: Nineteen seventies rock mm-hmm. songs. <sighs> Nineteen
2: ninety two. The the singer was the same, but but technically the band that performed it in the 70s was not the it was like the band oh, did it in the 70s, and then oh. this was the singer of that band. Was credited to the singer in the in ninety-two. Slowed down. Now, to be fair, this is not an obscure song, it's a big hit. It was really more of an upset because um, again, a old people music winning over the fresh, new, young people music, and also you know because it was like a a slowed down, almost adult contemporary, easy listening versus Nirvana "Smells Like Teen mm. Spirit," which really fell into the rock category. You are gonna, you are gonna kick yourself. Man, I know yourself. it's like
4: I just, this, I just. I just... So many hints. Your for song,
2: this song in '92, was like you could not escape this thing oh, on the interesting. radio. Interesting. Could not yeah. escape it. Okay. I don't know. Colin writes "Love Hurts." Dana no. says "A Sweet Jane." Karen says "Last mm. Kiss." Mm. The song.
1: <laughs> they all sound like. one movie.
2: best rock song in 1992 was the slowed down version of. Layla by Eric Clapton. Oh, oh
3: of course. No.
4: From the Unplugged, right? Uh, from Eric from Clapton, un- I even said
2: acoustic. I didn't say unplugged, <sighs> but I did say acoustic. Yes. Yeah.
4: <laughs> nope. So That was fair. That was yeah.
3: good. Yeah.
2: So let me just check in with you all, because you've been keeping score for yourselves. Come, uh-huh. why, don't you, why don't you weigh in with your, your current standings right now as we head into question 10?
4: mm. Four with four with a anywhere between an asterisk and some percentage of a point.
3: <laughs> okay. Three. Four with a asterisk.
2: So I am. I'm going to tell you something very exciting right now. It is anybody's game right now. It is like it. anybody's game. I mean, I, I, I only you're only separated by one point. So I mean, it really it would have been anybody's game. But but it's really <laughs> anybody's game because question number ten, you have an opportunity to score four points. Oh four.
1: Whoa. So okay.
2: question. Number 10. Have you ever heard of the song Winchester Cathedral by the new vaudeville band has, I, I literally have any of you ever heard of this song? No. Okay. Yeah. I didn't think so. Uh It was a, Really weird throwback Lo-fi pseudo vaudeville novelty song from the sixties it was just, it came out in the late sixties, but it was supposed to just sound like a an old vaudeville song where like the where the guy sounds like he's singing through a megaphone. In fact, okay, if I can't even right. describe it. Uh, I have a clip
0: right here <laughs> that you can oh, you can simply
2: okay. listen to what this song sounded like, okay okay, all right, let's listen Winchester Cathedral. Despite this song not even not even being anywhere near close to a rock and roll song by the standards of the day or today uh it won best contemporary rock and roll recording in 1967
3: no way in 1967
2: best rock and roll song and it beat out amongst uh, uh, others, I think, it beat out what are now four absolutely iconic rock songs of the era. So for one point each, I want you to oh, name man. the songs. A, a Beatles song about a woman who picks stuff up off the ground. B, a The Mamas and the Papas song about an untrustworthy day. C, a monkey's song about a mode of transportation. And D, a Beach Boys song, which was, at the time, the most expensive song ever recorded. Huh. I'll give you those four again so you can think okay. about it. We'll make yeah. sure that everybody gets an answer for these. A, a Beatles song about a woman who picks things up off the ground. B, a Mamas and Papas song about an untrustworthy day. C a monkeys song about a mode of transportation and d a beach boys song which was at the time the most expensive song ever recorded okay you know people say my musical tastes are sort of unique or odd this is not true my musical tastes are absolutely in the mainstream
0: 1967? for the for the year 1967 <laughs> exactly
4: thank you <laughs> all right
3: I right. only know one monkey song. I only know whoa, Sh- wait, whoa, the
2: Shrek song. Right. I don't want any right. asterisks on this one. You know what I mean? No, I want no, this yeah, yeah. I want to see a nice yeah, you're right. clean win, right. okay? All right. right.
4: Okay. Yeah, we want to I'm... see a nice clean win for Colin here. Just bring it across the line. <laughs>
2: okay. I just I want everybody to kind of hold it up and and first of all, I want to see if I want to see if anybody aced it, right?
1: Oh, that was the song. That was I will a guitar say, okay,
2: hero. Okay, Not not everybody there is nobody who has nailed this. So let's look at the first one. So for the Beatles song, Karen says uh Penny Lane. Dana says what?
3: Eleanor Rigby.
2: Eleanor Rigby and Collins says Eleanor Rigby. Yes, it is Eleanor Rigby picking up mm. picking up the rice in the church. Yeah. The for the uh Mama's and the Papa's song, I think everyone has said California Dreamin'. Uh, and everybody yeah. is incorrect. Yes. It's Monday, yeah. Monday.
4: Uh, oh, Monday, can't Monday. Can't trust that oh. day. Can't trust that day.
3: They course. were thinking about a winter's day. In right. yeah, yeah.
4: That's, what I, right. that's what I did too. Sure. But just uh, yeah. I just stopped thinking right there. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, for the
2: uh monkeys. monkeys song about a mode of transportation, uh, Karen says daydream uh, believer. I think uh, Dana also wrote daydream yeah. believer. And Colin uh, got it right with Last Train to Clarksville. The Last Train to
3: Clarksville. Mm.
2: And uh, finally, uh, the Beach Boys song that became the most expensive single ever mm. uh, produced at that point. Dana has said what?
3: I put Kokomo. <laughs>
2: Kokomo <laughs> from the from the, from the, from the Tom Cruise movie cocktail in the 80s. Yeah. 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 Uh, Karen put, God only knows, and Colin put, wouldn't it be nice? The Beach Boys song, which famously became the most expensive song ever made at that time, was the instrument-laden, incredibly complicated, uh, psychedelic, seminal hit, Good Vibrations. Mm. With the the theremin. Just everything went like, completely haywire with all of the instruments and the live animals in the Mm. studio and all that kind of Mm. stuff. But again, the, the point here being last train to Clarksville Monday, Monday, Eleanor Rigby and good vibrations, all (laughs) All lost lost. rock song (laughs) of the year to that thing we heard earlier yep yeah in this very off-topic quiz uh you can all now count tabulate your scores let's see if uh i don't know this i don't think the asterisk comes into play
1: this has got to be the worst quiz i've ever scored on
4: (laughs) uh i'm looking at uh six and then the asterisk point
1: I got five asterisks. Five okay,
2: so hey. okay. So the asterisk yeah. does not come into play. We don't yeah. need to worry about it.
1: Ooh. Forget that you guys just cheated and wrote other people's they did. answer down. They both did it.
0: <laughs> Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.
1: All right, and we have one last red-colored segment. Colin?
4: I've got a segment for you guys called 1, 2, 3, Red Light. Uh... <laughs> We passed a very important 100-year anniversary uh, as a a nation last year without any acknowledgement from us, Uh, certainly from me. I just found out about this. Uh, (laughs) Last year, 2021, it was the 100th anniversary of the modern traffic light. Okay, like just sort of uh basically like what we would recognize today as like, yep, that's a traffic light. You know, now, of course, it's come a long way since then. Uh, It doesn't, you know, necessarily look as clunky. But the basic ideas of, yeah, fully automated, a four way stop in the intersection, no involvement from a human. No, you don't need a person out there to either augment it or operate it in any way. All right, so get your barnyard buzzers ready here. Uh, I've got a few questions here for you. Got some trivia nuggets. We're gonna kind of interleave them a little bit, loosely structured around a quiz. Uh, We'll kind of just do this lightning style here. So take your best guess, fire from the hip, get your buzzers ready. (laughs) The first fully automated traffic light that I just described, traffic signaling system, was installed in what major US city? heard a cow, I believe Ooh. that is. Dana? Is
3: it New York City?
4: It is not New York City. Mm. I will <laughs> say this is a city. Uh, Karen doesn't even need the hint I was going to offer. What do you got, Karen?
1: Oh, 1920s. Oh, no. Uh, I was going to guess LA.
4: Oh, no, not LA. Ooh, associated with wow. traffic. I like what you were thinking. It is a city that does have a, uh, a, a strong association with the automotive industry uh chris chris Chris. how
2: about detroit michigan
4: detroit michigan that is right yeah i it feels really appropriate to me yeah that that is sort of the home of the the first fully automated modern style uh traffic light
3: yeah motor city right
4: motor city that's right motown uh karen's eyes just lit up like she just for the first (laughs) time realized Motown. motown it's
3: motor city very Gordy, yeah, yeah, Detroit, yeah,
4: the very wow. same, yeah, the yeah, Detroit yeah. sound. All right, traffic signaling. So you know what we look at as as a, as a traffic light, right? I mean, we think automobiles, um, but the, the history of of sort of the, uh, the 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 meaning behind traffic signals goes back before cars to uh, horse and buggies and to oh, okay. trains, really. So sort of agreed, the first traffic light uh, of any type. People will sort of say uh, dates back to uh, late 1860s in London. All right. Sort of what, you know, oh. it was it was gas lit. Uh, it, it had uh, uh, it had red and green kind of semaphore style arms that would pop mm-hmm. up, you know, and, and and very directly influenced by train style signaling. Um, oh, where okay. a lot of sort of okay. the, you know, a lot of sort of the language of how do you signal a moving vehicle at a distance? It kind of came directly from, from trains. Right. So yeah, that was sort of the first uh, traffic control device. It was not for cars. It was for horse carriages really. And to sort of keep horses carriages from running into each other and running over people and stuff like that. Um, the lights were fueled by gas. Uh, it was very dangerous. Uh, it did explode yeah. at least one time. It was hazardous, but uh, Uh, It did sort of start to codify red for stop, green for go in terms of traffic. All right. Well, red, uh, red is deeply embedded in almost every culture as a sign of like just warning danger, you know, mm-hmm. hey, watch out. Uh, it is also physically the, the, the best wavelength for seeing over an extended distance. Oh. Uh, it just it really mm-hmm. is the best one visually for our visual systems to kind of just grab our attention. So it also works for that, too. Uh, as time went on, you know, in, uh, again, in America, the uh, the first electric traffic light was invented in uh, 1912. But again, the crucial thing to note here uh, was these were red and green, red and green only, red and green only. And now you might think to yourself, okay, well, now what? There's a problem, which is how do you deal with changing abruptly from one color to the mm. other, right? When, you know, like you're traveling fast. So the way that most of these systems would work is they would have A human, a person, a policeman there, uh, a policewoman, a cop standing there with a whistle. And as it was about to change from green back to red, they blow the whistle or, you know, wave a flag or something like that and signal to the drivers like, hey, you know, you got to slow down. It's about to change. In 1920, William Potts, he was a Detroit police officer. He eventually became the superintendent of signals. He invented the automated, fully automated on a timer, which they had before, but they introduced yellow light. This was, was like his major contribution to the to the automated traffic signal is like they had the timing part down. They could have it, you know, change every one minute from red to green, red to green. and But you still needed the person there to kind of monitor. And so, yeah, William Potts called Mr. Traffic Light. I mean, just this was huge, you know, uh, advancement in the tech here. True or false? Mm. Some stoplights will change from red to green if you honk your horn at the intersection.
3: <laughs> oh,
4: Chris! I bet true. True.
2: What? Not like because uh, you're mad because it's taking so long. Because some stoplights are trying to detect if a car is there, right? Sensors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. right, the, right, If That sensor fails, and you're waiting there. It's not gonna go but then if it hears ah. a horn it would be like oh i missed a car and it would and it would go like that's in my that's my head canon, yeah. so let's see if i'm right
4: i was surprised to find out that this is in fact or i should <gasps> say was true that there was a generation of stoplights of red lights in in america at least uh after they were you know electrified and sort of semi-automated at least on a timer okay but it wasn't it was dumb it wasn't smart in any sense like even if there were no cars at the intersection it just kept c- cycling through cycling through so if you get mm-hmm. stuck there they did in fact have microphones that were uh, able to pick up if you honked your horn, it would change the signal and had a timer. So you couldn't do this every single time. It would time every, out for yeah. like 10 <laughs> seconds and then go yeah. back again, right? You couldn't just sit there and it just never changes. Once they were able to figure out how to put like pressure plates in the thing, you know, in the street and things like that. And, you know, smarter sensors, they don't, they don't need the, the horn. You know,
1: the pressure plates don't recognize motorcycles sometimes.
4: I, yeah, you know, and I ride my scooter around and I definitely, I was always told that too. And it seemed true to me too. I did read like that the newer generation of those, uh, the, the, the plates basically that they are a lot more sensitive.
3: Oh, sensor plates under the ground it's sensor yeah. I like I've sometimes I like creep up a little bit further and then that seems to trigger it and I was like maybe there's some sensor
4: yeah visually if you pull up, a, if you pull up you'll see them in fact at, at, at many if not most intersections in a lot of big cities and if you see like sort of a square with kind of cut off corners in the in the spot where the car would sit and it looks like it's been like if you imagine someone yeah. came in and cut like a cookie out and then resealed it that's what those are that's what those are is that under underneath the uh, in that little loop there's just a set of you know wired electrical receptors and yeah it just it, it picks up when you basically put enough pressure on yeah as karen said some of the older ones maybe a little more tuned to a car than a motorcycle yeah jump up and down really hard yeah that's what we do true or false some stop lights will change from red to green if you flash your high beams just right
1: mm. fall the I don't even know how to drive, and I think it's false. (laughs) Seems really dangerous. You know what?
2: I'll go with true because, I mean, it's entirely possible that, like, they tried this too, you know?
3: (laughs) Or, like, police or fire engines or something. Uh,
4: This one is, in fact, blessedly uh, false. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I should say, though, There is a very, very tiny kernel of truth in this one. And I can sort of see why, how this one got out of sort of uh, into a rumor. Uh, They did, in fact, have uh, one or two types of special detectors uh, for emergency vehicles. One is Mm. a sonic detection, but the other one can be light detecting. And very specifically tuned to the frequency of flashing of emergency lights or emergency yeah. vehicle oh, lights. Okay. So you would have to, you know, it's the kind of thing like if you could flash your brights at like more than twelve times a second at exactly the right frequency at exactly the right angle, it may, it maybe, yeah. maybe, but yeah. <laughs> it is not. Yeah, you're not going to be doing this. Humanly possible? Yeah. No. Yeah. Tw- yeah. In 2020 the city of Mumbai, India, ran trials of a red light system that does what when it detects excessive honking? It does
3: what? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So there's a lot of people. Uh-huh. It like blows bubbles out over the crowd to like remind you of the beauty of <laughs> yes. life. It plays yeah. classical yeah. music.
2: Right, right, right. Is it, does it just like go red for everybody?
3: It stays
4: red longer. It, okay. Yes. Okay. If yes, yes. Uh, this was a, uh, Did a it work. It, well, oh. so, so this was a trial program that the, uh, the Mumbai police rolled out. Um, you know, I, one of many cities that suffers from noise pollution. And the idea was uh, when the light changes, if the, if it detects decibels over a certain level, it will add on more red time and it has a flashing sun even to kind of like, you know, tell the people it's like honk more, wait more. (laughs) Oh my gosh. They ran it for like 15 minute (laughs) chunks a day at a, at a, at a few different intersections. It it was really a control on noise pollution more than any kind of control on traffic. So no, it, it didn't go into, uh, you know, permanent use.
2: This all just reminds me of, um, before I took my driver's test, I was like watching YouTube videos and I start watching, start watching this video. And the guy is like, all right, now we're going to change lanes. Now I'm going to put on my signal. And as you can see, now that I've put on my turn signal, I look over my shoulder and the guy that's in the other lane over there, he's slowing down to let me in because he sees my signal. And I'm like, what? That doesn't make any sense. What? And I look at the YouTube video description, like, oh, he's in Canada. Yeah, yeah.
0: Whereas I'm just like,
2: oh my god, this I can't, I had to stop watching this video. It's so like this is gonna get me killed.
4: Yeah. <laughs> you did the American version, which is uh, okay. I'm gonna make this lane change, so I'll put my signal on when I'm two thirds of the way done, so you can tell where I came from and just keep <laughs> yeah. on driving. Uh, In 1980,
3: 1980.
4: As part of a national, years-long fuel-saving effort, Massachusetts became the last state to allow drivers to do what?
1: Oh, traffic light.
2: Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, I, I got it. It is. <laughs> um, I have my buzzer. I just wanted to make the noise myself.
3: Okay.
2: Um, make a right on red.
3: You oh, gotta make a on. right
4: on red. That's yep. right. Yep, yep. And th- the history behind this is really fascinating. I so I've lived, I've lived in a couple really uh, extreme places in my life when it comes to driving. I've lived in Los Angeles, learned to drive in Los Angeles, uh, and I've also lived in New York City. So growing up in California, I was actually surprised to learn when I moved to New York that oh, you cannot turn right on red in New York City. And I met a lot of New Yorkers who'd lived there their whole life who could not fathom a world that I described where you were allowed to turn right on red. Yeah. They're like, well, what's the point of the red no. light? You just turn right willy-nilly.
3: It's not just allowed to turn on, right on red. You will be honked at if you do not turn <laughs> oh, right on
4: red. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's right, right. Sometimes even on the red arrow. Like, yeah. if, you, if you, if you, like, I, I just, I stumbled into this. There are, if you can Google, like, okay to turn right on red arrow because... <laughs> Because there's so many people it's just like I get honked at at the same intersection every time it's like, no, no, you can't do that. It's we tried to make this as clear as possible it was for a long time. The the right on red was a a Western States thing predominantly um, Mm. all the way up, even through, through the seventies, even it sounds like it was just kind of a Western States thing and, you know, just more open traffic, I guess, more open roads. Um, And it was the fuel crisis that really started spurring a lot of states to amend their laws, their state transport department, transportation laws to allow right on red and the uh, federal uh, government Like they do with a lot of things, they use this funding, you know, carrot uh, and withholding funding stick approach, which is if you want these federal highway funds, you have to basically change your state laws to kind of follow what we uh, encourage and recommend. And so this was one of them. And so uh, in in the uh, mid to late 70s, kind of just a wave of the states changing their laws. Massachusetts was the, the last one to finally remove the ban, you know, technically on turning right on red. And yeah. And basically, you know, the fed said, we, we, we want you wherever possible to allow people to turn right on red. And it does, it did, it does in fact save fuel. I mean, certainly in cars of the 1970s and yeah, cars have definitely gotten a lot better and there's the smart shut off oh, now, yeah, and, yeah, you yeah, know, true. or idling or things like that. But it it did, it, it, it did save fuel. It also uh produced a sharp increase in pedestrian-related uh accidents uh-huh. and fatalities. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean,
2: that's the so American who's to say, trade-off really? <laughs> yeah, who's to say? Yeah. But we saved some money.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so even today, yeah. So the state of things today is that most states never went back, never looked back. Oh, um I see. Yeah. New York City is still, uh, you know, the the kind of the one major pocket in our country where just as a rule, you cannot turn right on red. You need to be specifically uh, told that you can. Um, All right. Last one here. Last one here. Um, And not strictly uh, on the red light, but we're in the traffic light family here. So first time visitors might be surprised to see traffic lights with red Yellow and blue in this country. Hmm. Red, yellow, and blue. Chris Kohler, no surprise. Uh, What is the answer, Chris? Well, here's the thing. Uh I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna I'm gonna
2: I'm gonna say this, but then I'm gonna have something to say if I'm if I'm right. The answer is are you going for Japan?
4: Yes. Yeah. And and what can you, what can you tell us about Japan, Chris? I don't want to, I don't want to tell you, I don't want to have you do my segment for me, but uh, as the native Japanese speaker. Well,
2: here's the thing. So yes, in, in Japan, when you say the colors on the stoplight, you say it's blue. It's called blue in Japan because it's sort of on the, in the blue greenish area everywhere at all. So like you could call it blue or you could call it green and it's really just a matter of like perception. Yeah.
4: So as I mentioned at the top of the segment here, you know, red is kind of just real fundamental culturally, right? I mean, but it's also fundamental biologically, right? I mean, you know, I was a psych student. I remember learning like the, the color and perception and culture uh, research. And, you know, basically uh, in a very broad summary, you know, cultures, if you develop two color terms, it's black and white or light and dark. If you oh. have a culture that develops three color terms, it's black, white, and red. And I mean, like virtually always it it proceeds Mm -hmm. in this Mm -hmm. pattern. It's like it goes, if it goes from two to three, red is what you add. And then if it goes to four, you get black, white or dark light, red, and then some sort of catch-all term for blue and green. And in Mm -hmm. a lot of cultures that have ancient older languages, this still kind of persists, like this idea of blue and green sort of occupying the same color term. And I learned that the idea of a separate word for green is actually relatively recently uh, added to the Japanese language, Right, you know? yeah. Um, kind of how, like, in, in English, you know, the distinction between red and orange was relatively new. Orange was just another shade of red, which is why, which is why we called redheads redheads, because, you know... Oh! Yeah, we just, when, when that term was kind of locked in, right. that was red to us, right, yeah. Well, the, right, I mean, the, right.
2: the Japanese word for the color orange is orenji which means it was, it's a foreign loan word. It was brought yeah, in, yeah, yeah. and, and, and oh, so a concept had, to be, have, had been brought in. Right,
4: right. Hmm. So here's what gets really interesting. Okay, so there is, like everything else in the world, right, there's an international treaty or convention or, you know, something on traffic signs, road signals, everything. There is, in fact, the Vienna Convention on Road Signs and Signals, and the goal was to standardize Across the world, what's kind of the language of traffic signals and things like that? And some of the things that they codify are stop is red, caution is yellow or amber, green is go, things like that. And so as these policies and conventions and things got more and more uh, widespread around the world, countries were kind of doing their best to sort of fit the uh, system. So in Japan, all right, I, th- I this is absolutely true, in 1973, the Japanese government, there was a cabinet order that traffic lights use the bluest shade of green possible. So they're like, uh. they task, their, they task their crews. Like, we want you to find something that is still technically green but is as blue as possible because we call that color ao in japanese right Mm -hmm. so they didn't want to have people have this disconnect between the color and and the label that they had already given it so if you ask you know the japanese government they'll say oh yeah these are these are green yeah these are totally green yeah um but internally it's like ah, you know they're greenish bluish yeah all right. Well, uh, thank you for, uh, going down the road with me there, uh, stopping <laughs> occasionally starting again and turning right on red a few times and, uh, learning a little bit about traffic lights and the red one in particular.
1: Woo! Yeah. interesting. And that's our show. Thank you guys for joining me. And thank you guys listeners for listening in. Hope you learned stuff about, uh, cherries, uh, Taylor Swift's Red uh, red, and Traffic Lights. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and on all podcast apps and on our website, goodjobbrain.com This podcast is part of Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to other shows like Food with Mark Bittman, The Accidental Creative and I Know What Scares You. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.